Boom, Boom ladies and gents, we are back. It is Monday and we get to t talk to young people. Holy crap, I get to bring my classroom what? into the show. Not Wait, really, he's not what? one of my students, but oh, okay. you're going to find out what he has to say today. So here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah, <laughs> time to drop the heat. It is that time. All right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash guest to schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gents, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Our guest today is young but knowledgeable, understanding a core fundamental financial truth. How you spend and invest today determines your wealth tomorrow. His mission is to show high school and college graduates how to successfully launch their investing career so that when those bright-eyed youngsters wake up on the other side of 40 or 50 or even 60, they'll be smiling knowing that they took the right steps in their 20s and 30s to be financially free at that time. If you are a novice investor who doesn't know much about the stock market or an inter intermediate investor looking for a great return, tune in today to learn what our guest done our guest has done to find his success. Joining us today with the Investor's Mindset, welcome to the show, Dan Sarver. Boom, Dan, it's ready time, or ready fire, ready, ready aim fire, what do we do, James? Ready fire. Ready aim, aim fire. Ready aim fire, oh. whatever. It is. Ready, fire, aim. That's what we usually fire, do. aim. That's how we normally yeah. go. All right, yeah. Dan, let's do this thing, dude. All right, so first, a little, a little uh, background on me. I actually teach a high school course called Financial Algebra. So I deal with 17-year-old uh, kids all the time. And the problem I have with 17-year-old kids is they just don't know what's ahead of them yet. As soon as they turn 18 and they graduate, all of a sudden they all hit me up in the DMs and they're all like, hey, what's this? what I do? I remember we talked about it. But at 17, they're just not there yet. What was your experience like uh, while you were in school and what did you learn about money? Man, first of all, you guys have the most fire intros I've ever seen. That was so sick. It's like Quite I'm literally. Thank you. Thank you. I have fun. <laughs> there we go. Um, and yeah, to your point, it's exact. I tell the story all the time that when I graduated high school, on my graduation day, I like felt this overwhelming emotion that like, dude, where's my blueprint to success? Doesn't that come with my diploma? Like, where is that? And uh, it brings up your point about how like when we're 17 and we're in high school, we're just trying to go to the next party, have a good time. But when we actually graduate, that's when like the light bulb goes off and we're like, oh, now what's next? So, yeah, no, that's a very real thing. And I think um, you notice that in your students. And I started this whole journey to help people invest, especially teenagers, for that reason. Because when we do get out of high school, we want to take a step forward in the right direction. All right, let's start off with that. Um, I, I, I'm trying to get in habit to remember to do this every single episode. Uh, so let's just hit it from the very beginning. Dan, what are you selling? 
knowledge, no course, no um, three weeks to success, just a lifetime of knowledge that you can apply. All right. So how do, so if, if you're just selling knowledge, I want to, and I'm going to dig a little deeper here because, um, I, and I'll tell, I'll tell a story. James and I, we bought our first house when we were 20 years old, right? 20 years old. Somebody thought it would be a good idea to give us the keys to the house after we filled out some paperwork, fogged a mirror, and they said, yeah, you're alive. Here you go. Here are the keys. Uh, and uh, soon after that, James uh, James rolls the truck that he, he used to work at a, a cable company, rolls the truck, gets fired, and we have to figure out a way to pay this mortgage that we... That... Fine by me! Exactly. And so... Uh, we decided to start this computer company, and I remember as we're as we're getting ready to to launch this thing, it started doing really well. We started looking into commercial retail spot, and they required us to go out and get this thing called general liability insurance. Right, if you're going to get a retail location, you have to have this policy. And we were sitting in this insurance agent's office, and she's asking us about what we've done. Twenty, we're, we're like 20, 21 years old at the time, right? And so. We have this house that we purchased. We started this business that's making all kinds of money. We're opening up this commercial real estate. And she looked at us like, dude, you guys are going to be the next big thing. And we thought, looked at each other at a young age, we're like, hell yeah, by 25, you better believe it. Now, reality sets in and a lot of other things happen along the way. Uh, that, by the way, is the first time I've ever been broke. But what I, the ambitions we have at a young age, for most people, tend to disappear. What do you think is is that spark that gets a young person's ambitions or drives or going towards that money idea that you have and what's going to sustain that path for you? Yeah, I think all about sustaining that path you're talking about where you wake up in the morning and you just get out of bed because you want to pursue something is something that your parents or your school education or your job doesn't tell you to do. I mean, we all want to find this purpose and this meaning for our life. And that's something you got to find on your own. And so for you guys, like starting this business, um, there are other businesses you can start that make money and you can pay for a mortgage. But you guys probably really wanted to have this idea be yours. So you went after it. So it's all like on an individual basis. Oh, I wish I could say that, dude. Uh, I wish I could say it was well thought out and it was some dream and ambition that we wanted to do. But, dude, honestly, it was out of necessity. Uh, and, and that's what I find that a lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs end up going into business. Very few of them go after a dream. Most of them go into it due to necessity because they got to pay a bill or because they've been told they were good at something. And so they try to go out and venture off and do it on, on, on their own. That's What's not been how it works. That's not how any of this works. Right? Because we're chasing dollars. So uh, tell me, what's been your experience as you've started in this in this uh, investment space, business space? Yeah. So my experience personally has been good. Um, also professionally, I've been able to help like over 200 people getting their investment journey started. And what I always tell people is somebody's like, so what are you doing? Are you doing Forex trading? Are you like the Bitcoin guy? And I tell them like none of the above, like building wealth slowly, it's not sexy. It takes a long time, but if you can compound those 10 to 15% gains annually every year, then you will be wealthy in the future and then it all pays off. So um, I'm really about like the organic growth, small starts, small steps, and then you just pick it up as long as you go. Right, you've helped 200 people, but you have 200 people do what? Like what, what happens when they come to you? 
So when people come to me, the first thing I tell them is to read the book. And through the book, you start from the very beginning of the foundation of wealth building. Guys like Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Benjamin Graham, John Bogle, what these guys have put in place so that I can share it to a younger audience, which I am obviously a part of, in a way that we understand and we care about. So that's where the starting journey goes into place. And then- Wait, wait, wait. I want to hover right there. All right. So give me an example because I want to know, I want if, if you can help communicate with me what kind of stories, how you're translating that, it'll totally help me communicate that with my students, right? And also you said read the book. What book? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to tell me what book. For sure, for sure. So um, yeah, like I said, the whole inspiration came from graduation day. And then after that, I was like, dude, I know all this stuff. If I know it, why don't I just share it? feel like it's a little selfish not to share like positive and great things, you know. So I took over quarantine and over the whole pandemic, I took 11 to 12 months, wrote a 200 page book that takes you from the start. Like I said, the foundations of wealth building all the way to crafting your own portfolio in five simple steps. You got an A to Z blueprint guide for any beginning investor. All right. So that's the blueprint. So help me translate that to Gen Z talk. Like, how do I make that sound sexy? How do I make that sound cool? Well, it's been my experience that I've always appreciated that old guy on a bench that had a nickel's worth of free advice. Like that stuff always helped me, but not a lot of people are like that. Usually you got to be like an old soul for that type of stuff. So as far as translating to Gen Z, I would say that um, if you're into rap, there's uh who's the rapper? Uh, Lil Baby is into investing. A lot of kids like the culture and they follow like the clothing designs and the influencers and stuff like that. So if you can show them how their role models are taking their steps to investing, then they'll be way more wide open to the idea of like, man, well, if he's doing it, I should do it. All right. Well, let's talk about some of these, what they're seeing, right? Because my biggest concern is, is, and it might actually, I'm not even gonna call it concern. My biggest dilemma with kids is understanding the difference between creating a following and building a brand, right? Because so many people want to go after these metrics and believe me, the metrics are amazing and they will, they will definitely benefit you but they can go at it the wrong way, right? I worry about 17-year-old young girls, very impressionable, uh, creating a following because they look good in a bathing suit, right? Like there's a difference between what you're trying to do there and if you're trying to turn it into a career. So when you're when you're mentioning like rappers, and by the way, I'm old because when you said rappers, I was thinking Eminem, right? But, <laughs> but when you mention, and by the way, still one of the best lyricists ever. So I'll put that on anybody you want to bring up. But anyways- uh, so when, when you think about some some of the uh, reputation and, and what they're building, what they're doing and where they're investing their money tend to be two separate things, right? They're generating their revenue off the brand and off the music that they're creating, but then they're doing other things with it or maximizing off the brand that they've built. So help me kind of elaborate on that. Like when you're, when you're, when you're looking at some of these examples, what are you pointing out in them? Uh, I'm just pointing out motivation because not everybody wants to invest. Like, for example, I don't, I don't paint a picture. I don't, I'm not good at like drawing and painting. So like if somebody was just to straight up come up to me and was like, oh, let me show you how to paint the Mona Lisa or something like that. I wouldn't necessarily be interested because I'm not a painter. I don't have passion for that. But I do have passion for the 
like wisdom that Picasso and those guys and Van Gogh offer to the community. So if you presented it in a way that I could draw wisdom from learning about these paintings and painting a picture, then I'd be more apt to doing it because that's something I can relate to. So it's the same case I find with uh, young kids like myself who aren't into investing and isn't an investment geek like myself. If you get the first couple steps of motivation to go, it can go a long way. Does that answer? Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Can you name that movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. I'm Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I figured as much. Now, all right. Spaceballs, by the way. You got to check it out. Oh, hell no. Exactly. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's let's talk ab about what you did over COVID, right? Because let, let's be honest, dude. I, I'm part of a 5 a.m. club, and we were talking last week about uh, we we each of us is reading different books during this club, right? And so on Thursdays we talk about reading because re Thursdays has an R in it. I don't know. That's how we made it up. Anyways, uh, we were talking about being able to write a book yourself. That every single one of us has a story inside them, and and you should take the time to come out and write the book, right? You actually did it. You actually took the time during COVID when probably other people were Netflixing and, and just binge watching whatever. You took that time to sit down and write out a book. I did the same thing. Talk to me about that motivation. What kept you going in writing? Because I know there was times when I woke up in the morning, I'm ready to sit down and write. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to write right now. Right. But I just start. I didn't think you had it in you. Exactly. But it, everybody does. Everybody has this piece. So t tell me what it was like COVID 2020 and you decided to write a book. Man, it's, it's along the lines of your story as well. I mean, there's some mornings where you're just fired up, you're going at it. And then there's other mornings when, I mean, as far as writing goes, you have writer's block. Um, and I don't know, I just found specifically for me that I draw a lot of motivation and discipline from, um, we'll say the, um, the emotions you don't want, like bad emotions, like pain or stuff like that. So I just realized one day that after watching so much Netflix and so much YouTube every day that like, dude, this is it for me. Like, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be one of those people that makes a change. And then after that moment where I just looked myself in the mirror and had this realization, this moment of clarity, I just stuck with it. And every day I just worked on something I loved and my passion. And for me, it wasn't hard, to be honest. It was just something I loved to do. Earlier, you mentioned some of the people that you looked up to, uh, up to. Um, and I'll share a quick story. I, I did, I pretty much got almost straight A's in high school. Uh, and I never really read a book. I just figured out that, oh, if I listen to the teacher, that's usually what's going to be on the test. And I, I, I'm a good listener, right? I, I can, I can, I prefer to have an audio book cause it's easier for me to process. If I'm listening to something, I get it and it, it'll work that way. So one of the very first books that I actually picked up and read was a book by a guy named Robert Kiyosaki and he has rich dad, poor dad. Right. And that completely changed my life because I never knew that a world existed that way um, because it was just I, it wasn't part of my upbringing. My dad always said that, you know, there's there's other opportunities. There's there's different ways to do stuff. But he didn't really know. He knew there was more. He just didn't know what that more was. And when I first started reading Robert Kiyosaki, that's what it did for me. It opened up that doorway. So in that book, he talks about the well in that book and then in Cashflow Quadrant, he talks about different ways you earn money as an employee, as a business owner, as an investor, uh, and self-employed, right? Yeah, so the four quadrants. The four quadrants, right? 
What you're talking about here is very much on the investment side. Everything that we've, that we've brought up is very much on the investment side. And what I noticed for young people, investing can sound awesome. The power of compound interest can sound amazing. But where most people struggle, and it's not just young people, it's most people struggle, is that income generation part. It's the only way they know to make money is to get a job or become self-employed, which they think is a business, but it truly isn't. Right. So, so take me back a little bit when you, when people come and approach you, especially young people and they're like, what should I invest in? I know my response is always with, is always, first of all, well, how much money do you have? Right. Like what's that first habit? Can you generate the income and are you generating enough to put something away to invest? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You hit that on the nail right there. Um, I always just bring it back to like, if you don't, if you're struggling to come up with rent money, or to put food on the table, like don't invest. That That's not your best move. Um, anything extra you have though, I mean, I saw a cool jacket I wanted last week. It was a hundred bucks, kind of worth it, but I just thought that, well, with my blueprint that I've created, I can turn that hundred bucks into 200 bucks in a year. So it's just, could you, uh, oh, so what should I invest in? Um, is that what you want me to answer? Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, okay, so you're going to invest in something, but how do you make the money to invest in something? That's really my question. Yeah. Well, um, that would be like Robert Kiyosaki's book. Like I think investing is the last quadrant. So, um, yeah, most people, like I still work a job, like I get paid minimum wage. I'm still working like everybody else. I'm nothing special. I just use that income and I like to save upwards of like 30 to 40% of that income and like really um, live frugally. So a lot of that money goes to investments, but hey, if you can only save 10 to 20% of your income, maybe even 5% at the minimum, it's still better to invest in like dividend stocks. Even though you're not making that much money back, you're still starting early with the foundation and it's gonna be like a, the snowball effect where every rotation, it gets bigger and bigger. So don't be afraid to start small. Dude, I love I love that concept of being frugal when you're young. And it's tough, dude. It is tough. Um, I'll tell you what, dude. I got some seniors that graduated a few years ago. They're like now 20, 21 years old. And I'm seeing them on IG and they're like at Big Bear. They're freaking snowboarding or they're going on vacation. They go down to Mexico, right? They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're living, right? They're living life and they're enjoying it. And I t- completely understand that. My concern with that is always that those memories become 10-year memories in a heartbeat. Like they become you you become accustomed to a lot of these things. And what you're talking about being frugal is is vitally important, especially early on at the beginning. Um, I remember listening to Gary Vee talking about how when you're young, you should be in an apartment with like six dudes and you should just be like minding your business and grinding it out and putting that money that you earn to work for you. Because that's really what it comes down to. I don't know if you've ever read, um, the richest man in Babylon. Have you heard of that book? It's dude, it's literally shipping to my house as we speak. I bought right. it a few days ago. Yeah. Dude, that book, first of all, that book is, uh, is, is a quick read. So it's going to be like a, a, I don't know, a couple hours, like really quick. You're going to get through it. But the core principle in that is about, in, is about saving at least 10% of what you make and then learning to put that to work for you. And so, you know, when, when you, when you came on the show and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's funny because I know I've been in your shoes. You look, you have the mentality of I'm ready to 
take my finances to the next level. But your face says, I've never done a thing in my life. And I've been there before. I remember sitting in front of, uh, of clients because my once, once my, my first business went belly up, I was sitting in front of clients doing tax returns. And I had the same, like a, a young face like yourself. And I'm sitting in front of people telling them how they should put their money. This guy's making, you know, a quarter million dollars a year. And I'm over here instructing them and advising him on that. What's your experience been like as you talk to people who may have had years more success than you have, who may have, who may look at you like you're young, but you have a lot of, of knowledge. You've studied a lot. You're ready to go. How do you address that situation? Yeah, that's a really funny concept because being 20 years old, I do stick out like a sore thumb, right? Because I mean, I'm not going to lie. Who wants to take investment advice from a 20 year old? It just doesn't make sense. You think that, oh, this guy needs to be 50 years old with 30 years of corporate hedge fund experience. And valid point, but what they don't understand is that the markets have changed completely from where it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, you have people investing in like Robinhood and Webull and just different like apps on your phone. And what I say to that argument is that if you want a certain mentor in life, like I wanted Warren Buffett to be my mentor. Well, I don't have his contact. So I bought his book. And I think that that's the next best thing is to buy the books of your mentors because it will give you some insight. And, um, you know, I, I really think you're never too young to overcome an obstacle because it almost feels better and more satisfactory to overcome an obstacle when people tell you you can't. You're too young. You can't do that. You're too young. Nobody's going to listen to you. You're too young. You don't even know. Like you wrote essays in college and high school. How are you going to write a book? You're, you're not a uh, professional writer. You're too young for this and this and that. And if you can block out that noise, push it to the side and just stick on center to your goals and focus and ambition, you'll be all right. I believed in you for a long time. Okay. I absolutely like that. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's the truth. Well, it's the truth. If I can go back and talk to my 20 year old self, I'd tell myself to ignore what everybody else is doing and keep doing. I found a video uh, of me doing a, an analysis, a budget analysis when I was probably like 23, 24 years old and mm -hmm. on YouTube. Right. And if I would have kept going then just to continue down that path, like I was talking about stuff with people and I was having conversations with people, but I wasn't presenting it to the world. I was nervous, maybe not a hundred percent sure that people would take me seriously. I'm dealing with that whole imposter syndrome. Like I'm too young. Like, why are you taking advice from me? Right. But if I would have continued, you become that person. Like the knowledge that you have right now is, is powerful because you're, you're putting it into action. And I think that's, that's a huge difference. The other thing is you wrote a book when I'm reading a book and the information in the book is making sense. Like it's actually taking me from point A to point B to point C and getting me to an end path that I'm looking for. I'm never thinking that it's written by a 20 year old kid because the logistics in that book are getting me to the point where I want to go. And I think that's, uh, that's a crucial, uh, that, to me, that's one of your greatest calling cards, your business cards in general is that you have this fundamentals, right? It's like baseball. It's like football. It's like sports, right? It doesn't matter that the kid is 21 years old. If he's practiced the fundamentals that are required to be successful in that sport, when he competes against the veterans, he will compete as a superior athlete because he has the fundamentals down. And I think that's one of the things that, that, uh, that you have going in your favor is that you're, 
you're doing what you said, by the way, the wisdom of you can't call Warren Buffett, but you can pick up his book. That is huge. And I don't think uh, many young people are dealing with that. And when you talk to your peers, right, when you talk to people who are who you hang out with on a regular basis, and I know for damn sure they don't really want to talk about the stuff that you want to talk about. <laughs> what's that been like for you? Yeah, that's a tricky conversation because um, I do have like one personal mentor who's in his 40s and keeps telling me like, dude, find new friends, like make friends, like your network is your net worth, right? Everybody knows that saying. But I think that is good advice. But also, I mean, I'm a very loyal guy. Like my homies in high school, whatever they're doing now, it doesn't matter because they've helped me become the person I am today. And, um, yeah, I just think that like, sometimes you're in a group of friends that you like, or you don't like, but hang on to the people that make you better. And whether my friends are in business or they're in a different sector, um, to me, like their wealth or their mindset doesn't matter quite as much to our friendship because they have made me better just by them being a good person and being around me. So, uh, yeah, you know who your friends are for sure. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that one because uh, I heard that before myself about getting you friends, and it never settles right with me. I feel like that's like a dick move, dude. Like I don't want to just cut these people out. So I came up with a different uh, understanding. It's not that you cut them out; it's who you spend most of your day with, right? So make the time when when you make the time in your day. Like that's that's something that as you get older, you're gonna realize. Uh, you're crunching on time on that same 24 hours. You just, if, if you become more and more productive, you're going to want to do more and more with that time. And so friends are going to occupy some of that time space, block out of time, go to, go, go chill with those guys, go do what you want to do. But during the day where you're spending the majority of your time, that's when you want to spend your time with the Elon Musk's of the world, the Warren Buffett's of the world. That's where you're spending your day. This is where your productive hour goes. That's, that's where your network has power. And then on Saturday night when you're chilling, you're going to go out. That's when you hit up the homies, right? Now, second part to that is, uh, and I heard this from, uh, from a 27-year-old millionaire uh, injury, personal injury attorney, right? And he said, life is like a revolving door, dude. Not everybody is meant to be in your life at all times for your whole life. It doesn't mean they didn't shape you. It doesn't mean they didn't help you get to where you want to go. It doesn't mean that if they pick up the phone and need your help, you're not going to go over there and help them. It just means that you are moving in a direction. And if you constantly turn your back to see where everybody else is, you're going to slow down. That's a big thing, dude. What I've just um, been researching is that often we like to compare ourselves to other people, but really we should just compare ourselves to who we were yesterday or three months ago, whatever the time frame is. Because like you're saying about the morning time, um, I know this one guy who he's married now and he has kids and he's in his 30s and he wakes up at 4.30, not because he necessarily likes, he's, he's not a morning person, he never was, but he does that because that's the only time where his wife, his kids, and nobody else is in his ear. So did I got you on that number? Dude, that's exactly me, dude. Because you figure, like, I'm up at 4.30. That's where I get my workout in. Nobody tells me a thing. That's where I get a lot of my important daily tasks that I need to get done. 
And, and dude, it sends your productivity through the roof. That's two hours a day that nobody, like I'm in my flow state. Like that's just me getting what I need to get done, done. Like, uh, there's a book called the four hour work week, a really good book also. And, and that's the same type of idea. It's like, what is it that you're doing in your day that is busy? And what is it that is productive? And then focus on your time focus your time on developing the systems to increase that productivity. And then you're going to have time to do everything else you want in life. Right. But, but dude, the efficiency is the key. Like that is the most that, that you can possibly do. Cause you're, you might only have two hours a day. You're maybe you're still going to college and you have to work to put, you know, the bill to, to put food on the table or whatever it is. So maybe you only have an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, maybe tops in a day when you're building a side hustle. So you have to be efficient with that time. And, and, and that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I know early on, dude, I wasted so much time in party mode. Like I know I, and don't get me wrong, dude. I had a blast. James, you can hop on here, dude. Uh, dude, we had a blast. Imagine, we had too much fun. We had, dude, I'm telling you, 20 year olds and they gave us the keys to our, own, our house. own house. Dude, you turned 21 when we had that house and we didn't have to worry about pissing off our parents because we had our own place. <laughs> dude, I'm Anything telling you. imaginable. That's sick. I mean, yep. what do you think, dude? What would you do 21 years old in your own pet? Oh, I would do the exact same thing you're doing. I mean, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whether I had an idea or not, I'd find a friend who would. I mean, everybody's doing the same thing. So, yeah. It's, what's it's, the, what's the, the name of your book? I don't think we got that. Yeah, so it's called Seven Investments in Your 20s. That Will Change Your Life. Seven Investments. And where can people get it and get that? You can get it on Amazon. You can just search my name, Dan Sarver. It'll pop up. Type in seven investments. It'll pop up. Um, I'm working on the audiobook. I'm just waiting for Amazon to approve it. So uh, I know you guys like audiobooks. So check that out. That'll come out in a few weeks. But yeah, you can get the ebook. You can get the paperback or the hardback as of now. All right, dude. Since the internet lives on forever, right? I want to know from your own lips. You are 20 years old right now, right? I am. Okay. So talk to your 30 year old self. What do you expect to do by the time you're 30? No problem. I mean, yeah, yeah, no. For real. <laughs> but, um, uh, for me, I read a lot of success books, like modeling success. And success is different for everybody. I mean, for me, my, my two main things for success of when I'm 30, what I want to achieve is. Number one is to raise a family the right way, whatever that family looks like. You know, you can't really map out your future family. So raise it the right way. And then number two is success is the amount of people I can help. I mean, dollars and money is great, right? But it doesn't give you that sense of purpose or meaning or like impact. And I think it's important for me to leave a positive footprint on the world whenever I leave it. So that's what I want to achieve at 30. And then keep going. I mean, it's like Matthew McConaughey. I saw like an Oscar speech of his. A lot of people may have already seen it, but he basically says that his hero is his, is himself in 10 years. And the point of that is that he'll never attain his hero of himself, but it gives him something to keep chasing. So, you know, you can find motivation in anything and that's motivating for me. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. I think you can manifest the, the significant other, or the type of significant other you want in your life. 
I believe you can. Like I, 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 I know that there are certain qualities that I wanted in, in that special someone and I was going to make sure that I found those. Otherwise they're going to be the one. Right. Uh, and then the other thing is I'm okay with a young person like you saying something like, dude, I, I'm going to go make a million dollars. Like I'm going to go after the money. Like for me, this is one thing that, that I, I, it creates an imposter syndrome in me when I go after the, the answer that I think people want to hear. Cause I know, and, it, and it's, it's a flaw that I've had forever. Like even, even in the podcast, you know, our number one rule when we started the podcast, our number one rule is to be a service to others. And that is absolutely true. We do do that, but that's not the reason why we started the podcast. That's not the reason why I started a business. That's not the reason why I got into business in the first place. I got into it cause I need to make money. Right. And I think so, if I don't, if I don't admit that to myself, and I chase all these other arbitrary things that it's not going to come to life. And, and here's, here's the, the weirdest thing that happens is when you chase that dollar and you reach that dollar, then you get a different perspective on things and you decide how you want to use that dollar to help other people. I think that's a, tr that's a transition that, that we hear successful people when they've reached that point, they're becoming very much a uh, philanthropist, right? They're helping in their own way into the world but that's not what they intentionally wanted to do at the beginning. At the beginning, it was very profit driven. And, and if, if I could give you any piece of advice, don't lie to yourself, go after the, the thing that you want, whatever it is, that thing that you want, go after it, attain it. And then ask yourself, is this what I want to continue to do? Or do I want to make something better? Right. Oh, I, I dude, I love the Kevin Hart interview with, with Joe Rogan, where he talks about, I just want to level yeah. up every time I get to one level, I'm going to just go to the next level. And I'm going to get to that point. I'm gonna look down and be like, damn, I did it. What's next. Like, just if you can compartmentalize and do that one, like you just did in 2020, where I'm going to write a book. And then you went out and freaking did it. Like, if you can do that consistent, consistently in your life, put a goal in front of you, attain it. Put a goal in front of you, attain it. Put a goal in front of you, attain it. And don't get into the squirrel, you know, oh, squirrel or, you know, shiny object syndrome. Then you'll be doing way better than I ever did. Because at 20, trust me, everything was shiny. Everything was beautiful. Everything was a distraction. Well, thank you, man. I mean, that advice will eventually last a lifetime. Actually, you said like so many different things. Uh, I want to comment on all of them. Um, as far as what you're saying on focus, yeah, I, I'm a true believer in keep the main thing, the main thing. And everything besides the main thing can kind of be a distraction. Um, and as far as what you're saying about money and like the whole imposter effect, like I definitely think that that's a reality with driven people. You know, you're a little scared like, oh, what if I say this and it doesn't come out right? But no, for me, really, it is uh, about having that like helping people syndrome because I just know that by helping people, like money will just flow back. Like I'm not even worried about that. It's like, I don't know, like any author or like Grant Cardone, I'm reading his 10X book right now. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's basically just 10X everything in your life. And then when you come short, it might actually be farther than what your initial effort would be. And um, what I'm learning from him is that he was just a guy that kind of just started in real estate and then decided to help others by giving blueprints, showing them how to do it. And then by building a following, all the money just came back to him naturally. Whether he was in seek of money or not, it kind of just flowed back similar to how like an investment does. You're making your money work for you, not the other way around. You could use anybody else, but I know Uncle Grant, Uncle Grant, that boy, that boy is after the dollar. 
Like that guy is one of the <laughs> biggest hustlers I he know. He claims man. not to be. He claims not to be, but everything he does and everything he says is on the contrary to that, right? So he does go after the dollar. And and trust me, I admire that about him. I admire that he goes after that stuff. Uh, and, and the way he built his company was through syndication. So yeah, he had to learn to grow a following because otherwise you can't syndicate nothing, right? But even then there when you're syndicating and growing his following, he's going after people who have to be accredited investors. So he's going after the money. Like once he's at the top, it's easy for people to say something. But when you have to put food on the table, you're grinding out. Dude, one of the things we say is uh, it's it's our, um, it's our your business's purpose to make a profit. It's your purpose to be of service to others, right? So it's if you, you can be of service to as many people as possible, but your business has to make a profit. Otherwise, it is not a business. It's a hobby. And, and trust okay. me, man, like, I don't know, that's been, that's been my experience. That's what I've uh, come across. I'm just telling you the hurdles that I've had in my own life, dude. Uh, yeah. Otherwise... Well- let me tell you a quick story that my dad shared with me. My dad, amazing man, spoke with all kinds of metaphors to teach you life lessons that weren't on the surface. And he was a mechanic. So what he did is, you know, he fixed cars locally on a corner block. And he always told me that I can only fix the amount of cars that are in a certain mile radius. If you can do something where you can serve globally around the world, you have the power to attract more customers and people. So if I were to say that I was chasing the dollar in this example that we're talking about, I realized that through writing a book, I could produce it globally and then it would have the capability to reach more people. And like you're saying, put food on the table through constant royalties and stuff like that. Scalability, baby. Scalability. Yeah, no, I agree with you, dude. It's all about reach. And especially we live in a world today where, you know, everything is being commoditized. So it's moving all towards software as a system, uh, software as a service. And, you know, SaaS companies are, are blowing up. Why? Because automation is key. If I don't have to hire a person to do something and a system can automate it for me, better. Why do I love music? Why do I love uh, books? Because they pay royalties, man. I do the work once and it gets paid over and over and over again. Same with courses, same with movies, right? All these different things. So I think you're doing it right. I think you're doing a, a, you got a great head on your shoulders. You're moving in the right direction. Just keep it up, dude. And I know I kept you longer than 30 minutes. So my bad. (laughs) Hey, thank you, brother. No, it's been a true pleasure to be on this podcast. You guys have it really going on here. All right. Thanks, man. All right, ladies and gents. I know I kept you guys longer. Hopefully you got something out of it. I mean, you get to hear me talk. Normally I don't get to talk as much, but you know. (laughs) It, it, dude, I'm telling you, talking to young people all the time just sparks my interest a little bit different than it does uh, talking to everybody else. Because, dude, you have so much life ahead of you. Like, you, you're already doing a lot of great things. I can't wait to see what you're going to be like in 30, dude. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gents, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Peace out, y'all. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.